began to write on the ground with his finger. It's the only time in the Gospels that we hear that Jesus wrote anything. But what did he write? Nobody knows for sure. Maybe he wrote their own spoken plans. Maybe he wrote their artificial plot to trap him. Maybe he wrote the sins of those accusers. St. Ambrose points out that that same finger writing in the ground was the same finger that wrote the Ten Commandments because Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. And maybe he was writing those Ten Commandments once again for the crowd. We have heard that if we obey the law of God, our names are written in heaven. Perhaps Jesus then was writing the names of those stubborn people in the earth. Because those were the ones who refused God's truth. And as we read the Gospels, we notice that Jesus forgives some people, but not everyone. For example, the scribes and the Pharisees. But why does he forgive some and not others? We notice that it usually comes down to whoever is open to a conversion of heart. And maybe the woman in today's gospel was scared straight by the threat of stoning. But notice how she ends up encountering Christ in his presence. And maybe that's what starts that conversion of heart for her. In other places, Jesus tells the Pharisees, Your sin remains. Aren't those condemning words? Where, she tells the sin, where he tells the sinful woman today, Neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on do not sin anymore. So the Pharisees refused a conversion of heart where she seems open to it. So Jesus being that divine person, he knows what is in the depths of all hearts. And we probably have a hard enough time reading our own hearts, examining our own conscience. So how do we know if we are also willing to have that necessary conversion of heart? Well, one test might be this. Can we accept those words that we hear Jesus say at the end of today's gospel? Go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. He said this to the woman in the gospel, perhaps because she was already undergoing that conversion of heart in his presence. But he wouldn't say it to the Pharisees because they weren't even ready to begin to have a conversion of heart. So this command is not only an ultimatum, but it's also an invitation because he's going to remain with us. He remains with her. He remains with us, especially sacramentally. Because left to ourselves, it's impossible. We can't go and from now on do not sin anymore. But he gives us what we need to do that impossible thing. So will her love for Christ be greater than her desire for sin? We don't know. We never hear from her again. But it's a good question we can ask ourselves. Will my love for Christ be greater than my desire for sin? In that second reading today, St. Paul mentions accepting as a loss all the things and all things and considering them rubbish in the face of Christ in order for us to gain Christ. We have this Lenten opportunity to ask ourselves, what are those things for me? What are those things I need to lose in order to make room to gain Christ that I might share in his resurrection? What rubbish in my life is standing in the way? In that first reading, Isaiah prophesied about good news, that God is doing something new in our lives. 
he is offering us newness of life. We know that that woman caught in adultery, as the gospel says, the very act, it tells us. And maybe she was even more caught up in the sin, caught up in adultery, in her lifestyle perhaps, who knows. But what are the things we become caught up in? Those things that stand in the way. Jesus offers her a new path. And as far as we know, she takes it. He, he offers us also a new path from the things that we are caught up in that are contrary to him. So can I, can I accept this new path that Jesus is offering me? We have the opportunity to ask ourselves, what sins might I be caught up in that keep me from accepting that new life in Christ? We know that God forgives us when we come to him with, with a contrite heart. And we notice how different this is from asking our neighbor for forgiveness. Because not only do we offend God, we also offend other people. So when we offend God, we don't need to give any excuses at all. All we need to have, to have is a contrite heart. But usually when we're pleading with a neighbor for forgiveness, we usually pile on the excuses, convincing that person to forgive us. But with God, it's not necessary. We lay it all out there. Lay it all out, let him forgive us with that contrite heart. That's one of the beautiful things I get to experience as a priest in the sacrament of penance. People with that desire to have a conversion of heart, laying it all out there, confessing their sins, and accepting that new life in Christ with the grace of the sacrament. Have we accepted that new life in Christ? We are similar to that woman in the gospel today. Whether we make excuses or not, our sins are undeniable. But notice when she's alone with Jesus, she has everything she needs. So the question for us is, are we content with having everything in Jesus? Or do we look for fulfillment and things that are contrary to him? Jesus looks at us, longing to forgive us, that we might become more perfect in union with him. So how do we look back at him? We see that several different gazes today in the, in the gospel. We might still try to maintain our self-righteousness like the scribes and the Pharisees. Or do we finally drop our masks like the woman who was caught in adultery, humble ourselves acknowledging that knowing him intimately is the supreme good. Knowing him intimately is to have everything.